mobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Hello and welcome back to the Gone Mobile podcast. This episode is being recorded on February 11th, 2014. So, you know, it took a few months, but with this episode, we'll officially hit the, the double-digit mark in our episode count. Um, I, I think this is where we get to, to, to start to be allowed to swim in money like Scrooge McDuck style. Is, is that right? Tens of dollars. Dozens, no, no, dozens of dollars. Not even. <laughs> but anyway, um, for, the, for this episode, I'd like to welcome our guests, uh, Zach Gramana from Xamarin and Wayne Carter from Couchbase. Uh, thanks for joining us tonight, guys. Hey, glad, happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, of course. So both of you have been doing a lot of work recently on Couchbase Lite in um, you know, different, different ways, uh, and we wanted to just have you come on the show so we can dig into that. So let's just start out with you know, the, the obvious basics here. So in, in a nutshell, what is Couchbase Lite? Yeah, so Couchbase Lite is an embedded version of our Couchbase database, and it's designed to run on um, both mobile phones and embedded uh, embedded systems. Um, it's also complemented with um, what we call our sync gateway, which allows you to plug that embedded database into the server, and it will just automatically sync for you. Um, and just a little bit more about Couchbase, the Couchbase database. It's a document um, database, uh, part of the NoSQL space, um, and the documents are stored in JSON format. And uh, the same thing for Couchbase Lite. Okay, so so then, how does Couchbase Lite differ from Couchbase Server, aside from the fact that it you know you can run it on mobile devices? Um, from a functional perspective, it actually is a superset of Couchbase Server. So it actually has more functionality than our server database. And the main thing that it has that the server doesn't is the um, ability to do revision history, um, synchronization, et cetera, for multi-master environments. So our Couchbase server is actually a single master um, database, whereas Couchbase Lite is a multi-master database. So what's the difference between, I mean, I've seen a bunch of couch names floating around, um, CouchDB and uh, TouchDB as well. What, where, where do those fit into the mix? Yeah, so we have a couple um, historical aspects to our company. Um, one of those is CouchDB, so that's just the history of our company. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, founders of our company were at CouchDB um, when it was founded and up until they, they actually joined um, and created Couchbase. Um, and TouchDB is actually the previous name of the Couchbase Lite product. So it was a project at Couchbase for a number of years. Um, went through several incarnations of uh, different attempts of, um, of how we wanted to approach it. We have finally decided that we actually wanted to build it from scratch just for mobile. And um, we started that uh, a couple of years ago. Um, and we decided to productize it and actually uh, make it a full-fledged product at Couchbase in the middle of last year. And as part of this whole process, it's been rebranded to, to Couchbase Lite. But TouchDB is just the previous name of Couchbase Lite. So you said you rebuilt it completely for mobile. Um, so what does that mean in terms of actually the storage engine? Is it the same as Couchbase Server, or what do you use on the device to actually store the data? Um, yeah, so the storage engine actually uses SQLite as blob storage and is an indexer. Yeah, it's ridiculously clever. 
So what, what, was the, what was the reasoning behind going with SQLite on a device as opposed to doing something a little more low-level or maybe custom? Yeah, that's actually something we're working on, um, and it will happen, I imagine, at some point in the future. But there were a number of reasons for that. There were size constraints that we wanted to make. Um, there was resource constraints. So it was really just a um, resourcing decision, I guess. Yeah, and the um, as I understand the story too, the original like proof of concept where uh, somebody first got uh, Couchbase uh, running on a mobile device was like the original Erlang version. Yeah, it was, was an Erlang version. Yeah, it was, and it was like a dog slow and like sucked up all the memory, so it, like really wasn't usable. It was more kind of like I did it, <clears throat> but um, so. Uh, 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 one of their guys, Jens, uh, who used to work at Apple, um, like sort of took went on like a one man mission uh, to kind of see if he could uh, just like reboot it to actually make it usable on uh, a mobile device, and that that was sort of where TouchDB came from. Is he like went locked himself in a room and like came out a couple days later with a re-implementation of the MapReduce like layer uh, of uh, of CouchDB uh, and the you know the, the basic you know document uh, model and all that kind of stuff uh, but you know leveraging what the phone already had on it which you know uh, it, the uh, SQLite's ubiquitous on mobile platforms and it's it's good enough as a primary you know data engine um, to to get done what he needed to get done. And then it allowed him to just like execute super fast. Um, and so he then uh, got that up and running as touch DB. Um, and then, you know, then eventually uh, the Android port came and, but the original touch DB is actually uh, like client server and uses the whole rest interface. Whereas uh, Couchbase Lite is pure native, so you don't have like that awkward. I'm running a server and a client in my mobile app at the same time, and and then using uh, HTTP request and response, um, you know, to make the call within the app. I mean, that's kind of like an interprocess communication mechanism, but they're both in process, which is awkward and a lot of overhead and you know, kind of pointless. So, so basically Couchbase Lite then strips that layer out because uh, it was superfluous and, and hindering performance and ease of use. And so that's where the, the native API uh, for Couchbase Lite uh, comes in. So you mentioned... So it's a much more fun to play with and, and better, faster. So you mentioned iOS and Android. Are you on any other mobile platforms at this point? No, we're on iOS and Android. Um, but with Xamarin, we'll be going to Windows Mobile. And of course, uh, Xamarin iOS and Android. So the the C sharp uh, port that I've been working on uh, is based off of the uh, native API implementation of the uh, what started as the Android version of TouchDB, and uh, as uh, and then actually became a portable version of the Java. So we now have a portable yeah. version, and a lot of this work that we've been doing is actually part of the motivation behind making it portable. So it made it easier for the port to see short. Yeah, it kind of was like, uh, I think, a confluence of events that just sort of all managed to happen kind of right on top of each other. It was like, get the, you know, 
get the native implementation or the native API, the non-Resty version, and then like then it was right on top of that, make it portable Java, and that worked out great from a C sharp perspective. Uh, because early on, the first time I uh, ran Sharpen on the uh, uh, the Android uh, core repository, which is the one that ultimately uh, my port is uses as the starting point, uh, it still had a bunch of Android dependencies. So interestingly enough, I could have made it target uh, Xamarin Android easily enough. That actually maps pretty cleanly. But then the problem is, well, we wanted a unified C-sharp API that didn't have platform types in it. Um, and that would immediately defeat that because everything would be very Android-y. Um, so uh, my goal then was to extract out the Android bits. Well, uh, on their side, they were already one step ahead and had already begun the process of, of uh, taking the Android code and then uh, making it portable Java code, which then just made the port a lot easier because then I did, there was like a whole class of stuff I didn't have to worry about anymore, and that mapped to clean, you know, standard BCL classes uh, in .NET. So um, the, the net result was sort of the timing was perfect for getting a, a .NET uh, port done. Um, and, and one of the goals of all of these platforms is that we it's a very natural experience um, for developing on that platform. So there's no idiomatic um, leaking from one platform to the next. We have one logical, consistent API that crosses all the platforms. There's 100% parity, but there's flexibility for idiomatic differences so that it's exactly right for that platform. Right. So then I, I noticed on the page that, uh, on your website that you have, um, so you have your native, your Objective-C and your Java versions for iOS and Android, and then there's also plugins for Xamarin, as you've been talking about, and PhoneGap and Titanium. Um, does that mean that all these different versions are really like their own ports of the same type of code, as opposed to being, say, like bindings down to the, the native library? All today are just bindings. Um, Xamarin will go to a port um, very soon. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's been the real big goal. I mean, it, it's kind of no secret if if uh, if you've been paying any uh, attention to the Xamarin iOS uh, uh, component for Couchbase Lite, there's huge huge uh, uh, demand for when is Android coming, and you know basically uh, you know Wayne and I sat down when uh, they were rolling out the Couchbase iOS version of Couchbase Lite, which is the one they they launched at at their conference last year, and you know we sit down and had the conversation, and you know we could either focus our time and energy on binding the Android version, which was uh, you know still in development, or we could use the time to catch up on .NET and actually do a proper port. Uh, and then that way we can then replace the Xamarin iOS binding in the component store now with a single you know, PCL library, ideally. Um, so we're, we have one uh, library to rule them all, so to speak. And just out of curiosity, so when you're doing your PCL targets there, I mean, which platforms do you anticipate supporting? Um, I think right now uh, it's it's not formally decided, but I think we'll end up using something like was a profile seventy eight. So it'll you know looking at like four dot five, uh, quite possibly four uh, for dot net. Um, I, I still don't have a strong sense of how many people are still using four in the enterprise world. Um, 
you know, the my experience with enterprises has typically been that they're usually at least one revision back in a lot of shops. Um, having those, and then you know, Windows Phone, uh, and then a Windows Store, uh, in particular WinRT. So, really, for us, the biggest challenge is uh, the uh, SQLite part, but um, uh, we've got a story to deal with that. So. Uh, I feel like uh, we'll be able to hit the major targets and um, that way, you know, Windows 8 developers will be able to use it both on desktop and on, uh, on, on, on the tablets. So as, as far as uh, the types of data that you, you would be storing in, in Couchbase Lite as opposed to, say, like a relational database, I mean, what, what types of data would you say are maybe best suited or, you know, not suited at all for this type of data storage? So, uh, you know, uh, the, the my general take on that, and um, it's certainly not unique to myself, is that, um, you know, obviously deeply, you know, uh, relational data is going to work best in a relational data store. But the thing is, is when you actually step back and look, um, a lot of data is not relational. It's not strongly relational. It's like maybe two tables join tops. Uh, it's just that because SQL is what everybody knows, and that's what we were taught from the moment we ever got interested in, you know, uh, computers and storing junk. I mean, you got to be pretty old to to be uh, a developer that doesn't default to SQL uh, when it comes to persisting data. But most, a lot of application loads aren't really very relational at all, or not yeah, super yeah. relational. And with document storage, you can model relational if you want to. Um, but there are specific cases that require it. So if you have a relationship of non-shared data, there's no need to model that relationally in a non-relational database like like uh, Couchbase. An example would be um, multiple phone numbers for a single person. Well, that's not shared across people, so you can just store that as a hierarchical data set within a single document. So the main difference between, if you think of documents and Couchbase as rows in a, in a relational database, rows are flat in a relational database. They have keys and values, but they're essentially scalars. Um, in Couchbase, rows are documents, and rows can be hierarchical and non-scalar. So um, that's where you get the more flexibility at the row level. Now, you can model relational models if you want. Um, we do that. We actually have a sample app for CRM, which is highly relational, um, around how to do that. So it can be done. I would say, too, one area where it, you might actually stop and think, too, is if you want to, if you know you want to leverage uh, the MapReduce engine. Uh, and, you know, that would be a particularly appealing use case, I think, for looking at Couchbase Lite, even if you're in a highly relational data model scenario. Do you agree or is it? Yeah. I mean, you're not going to have that if you don't, right? What about in terms of like the synchronization engine? Are there any scenarios that don't fit well with that? Like it's, I'm thinking about something like this could be a really cheap, uh, to me as a developer, an easy way to, to do something like even a, a chat application or something where you've got data going back and forth very quickly. Is, is that a, a bad scenario for this? Yeah, I mean, it's great for things that you want to just abstract yourself from the network interface. So you can use sync as a, a queuing mechanism also, where it would, where it's at least right now not going to work really well. If you need latencies under like a second, um, it's not going to be very good for you because our latencies are, are around that. Um, 
we've gotten a little bit lower and I, we will likely get much lower than that in the future but right now that's about as low as you're going to go um, but if you like the very relaxed feeling of developing and not having to worry about network connections um, and just write your app then it's great and even for that chat apps actually a perfect example of what you'd want to use couchbase like for so yeah like uh, you might want I, the only thing i think from a real-time perspective where you would start to get challenged is if maybe like in in a real-time uh peer-to-peer -peer, uh gaming app where you're using using it for like raw position updates and you're trying to maintain like 60 frames a second. I mean, yeah. that's going to be where you're going to start getting some noticeable lag, but even for, for uh, chat, I mean, the, you're still well within the, the normal kind of expectation of most users. Yeah. And there's modeling things you can do. For example, if you're capturing raw data from a sensor into uh, Couchbase Lite, you're not going to want to write one document for every measurement. You're probably going to want to batch those a bit so that you're not getting just overrun with documents. So there's some modeling you can do around that also to just do things that make sense versus maybe the naive approach. Yeah, and that's where, too, um, you know, having the, um, yeah, the, the, some of the tools then that are available you know, on the kind of the MapReduce area with filtering and some other things that you can um, you can be even a little smarter than about um, handling uh, uh, what data gets synced back up again. Yeah, so there's that's a good example. If you're just take the sensor capture again, if you t if you're capturing raw data in real time from a sensor, you may not want to sync all the raw data from the client up to the server. You may want to um, run it through some filter, a low pass filter, something filter out the noise a bit, and sync up something that's a little less noisy. And Couchbase Lite completes you you know gives you the ability to do that so that you can. Pre-process pre the data using the MapReduce um, mechanisms, and then just upload what you want. So, essentially, just have a raw local database and a and a online synced database, and they can just reside side by side. Right. So, in there, we kind of started talking um, talking about the the syncing capabilities of Couchbase. I think without without really necessarily defining what the what those features are as far as Couchbase Lite is concerned. I mean, so can we kind of step back for a second and, and talk about what what syncing capabilities Couchbase Lite provides? So really, when you look at mobile, um, what you introduce is you introduce, uh, and I mentioned this, I think earlier, where I introduced, um, you introduce master-to-master -master replication. So what that means is that you have many people writing the same piece of data in parallel, and there's no way to to correlate that because they're not connected to each other. So that has to actually be um, resolved later in the process. So that's called, that resolves, that creates the master to master problem. And so Couchbase um, uses, let me, I think I'm going too deep on this immediately. So um, let me see how I want to describe this. I'm just waiting for him to bring in uh Brewer's theorem and captain. <laughs> yeah, I'm going a little bit too deep on there. So I was actually going to let me pop back up for a second. So just from a high level, um, you just have Couchbase Lite on the client, Couchbase server on the on the server, and the ability to wire through what we call replicators to the Couchbase Lite database to the Couchbase server database, and so you have the ability to create 
two types of replicators, a pusher and a puller. You can create one or the other. You can create multiples of them if you'd like. Um, you can also associate filters with them. So there's a concept that we have called channels. That's actually a filtering or striping mechanism that the idea being you don't want to sync the entire Couchbase server down to a, a mobile device that's probably not going to work very well. Um, so there's a way to strike that data. And, and, and like, like as a for instance, uh, uh, if your database you know has a column for username for the owner of that record, then you can uh, filter that channel so that the only thing that's being synced are that user's. Uh, records in you know for that column. So obviously, then they're only seeing their data; they're not seeing other people's data. So it allows you to have control over the the filtering, the sync poll, the sync intervals. You can have streaming polling, long polling. There's quite a number of options you have from the sync um, perspective. Um, which one you choose is going to be a trade off of uh, latency versus scalability on your server. Yeah. So you can do bi-directional like push-pull, or you could do like one-way push-only. So like if you're in a sensor collection Internet of Things model, you're probably just going to do uh, unidirectional push-only. You know, on a you know on probably a, a low frequency interval. Like you may only turn on the radio to to actually transmit. You know, once every five minutes, even though you're sampling at like you know you know like five hertz or something like that. So. So users, I mean, you have really simple replication where you just have Couchbase Lite database and a single URL pointing at our sync gateway. That's the simplest thing you can do, and it just works. So everything you put there is just going to be synced to the server, and everything that happens on the server is going to get synced to the client. So it's pretty much just turn it on, and it works. Now, for other people, they want to have, for some people, they want to have more control over that, and we provide complete control over the replication process, what gets synced, what doesn't, how it gets synced, when it gets synced, etc. So it's as simple as you want or as complex as you want. And the, those filter definitions are then defined on the, the server side or are they on the client? Well, with uh, Couchbase Lite, you, uh, you can definitely provide them on the, the client side. Um, the uh, interesting thing with uh, the um, sync gateway is that you can also provide filter functions on the server as well. And those are actually really expressive. That was kind of a new thing for me in working with this that I thought was particularly cool. I've, I've spent a lot of time with a lot of sync uh, uh, libraries, and I've spent a lot of time in particular with the Microsoft Sync Framework, uh, which is uh, not an easy thing to work with. If you've ever spent any time with it, you know the pain I'm talking about. Um, but I thought the uh, Sync Gateway uh, implementation of the the server filter functions was a particularly uh, concise and elegant way to handle, uh, like you know, partitioning of data and stuff like that for individual endpoints. Yeah, and Sync Gateway is really—it's a session in, on its own, um, but it, it plays three major roles in the system. It plays um, filtering, validation, and access control. But the other interesting thing is that you can. Uh, uh, do like peer-to-peer -peer replication between two Couchbase Lite instances. Like uh, Jens has uh, got like this little uh, kind of uh, experimental demo using uh, Bonjour to do um, you know a note peer discovery and and you know to initiate the the sync sessions and stuff that way. Um, so there's kind of that opens up some uh, pretty interesting models too for. Uh, 
you know, all kinds of interesting things. You know, you could, you could do some like cool little cloud caching thing or, you know, have, uh, obviously for like easy thing would be like advertising game lobbies, um, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's, you can get tons of little, you know, useful scenarios for, uh, for peer to peer replication, but ultimately the replication is pretty cool because, um, it's uh, implementation of the CouchDB uh, REST uh, protocol for uh, for Sync. Um, so at the end of the day, it's it's a, an abstraction of of Sync in general. Uh, it looks very similar to any other like so. Every Sync library out there, or every abstraction around Sync, has some shared common surface area I mean usually there's a way to request for each participant like a full inventory of everything it knows and then there's a way to get some kind of anchor you know usually that's a timestamp or maybe a serialized ID number and then there's a way to ask tell me everything you've learned after this the last time I ask and here's the token that identifies when I last asked and whether that's a timestamp or a sequence number or something like that. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, the other end of the conversation can do the same and, and you can both exchange the changes that have happened since your last sync. And so, you know, that's true of the, the Microsoft sync framework, uh, in their simple sync, uh, provider models. Um, and so the, I've seen a few others, and they all have that kind of shared surface area. And so, from that standpoint, the the CouchDB um, uh, sync protocol uh, is very familiar. Uh, I think it's a particularly clean one, which I like. It's it's succinct. It's well thought through, um, and uh, and then it's nice that that's what Couchbase Lite is implementing. So um, it makes it very easy to understand what's happening when replication happens, and then. Kind of the one thing they added to that was the MVCC algorithm for conflict resolution, and that's the same algorithm that's used by like Git um, for version control. And you know, so whenever you have like an auto merge happen when you uh, when you merge two branches or two forks, it's taking advantage. It's using that MVCC uh, algorithm to automatically merge. Uh, uh, things you know, unless you fall into the unhappy scenario of having a, a merge conflict. But you know, most of the time, though, you know, merges can be done without conflict, and um, so that's the extra foo that uh, that Couchbase Lite adds on top of just normal anchor-based sync. So it sounds like it's a pretty powerful sync engine in itself. Is there any way to to leverage that outside of Couchbase, or any plans to to sort of release that as its own entity? We don't have any current plans. I mean, we do have the portable Java version if you want to use that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, the the sync is pretty intimately tied in uh, with the rest of Couchbase. Like, you can, it's easy to have a version of Couchbase without replication, uh, but it's, it's much harder to imagine a version of replication without Couchbase um, because there is the REST protocol that it's, it's using to, as, as a core part of of the uh of the sync you know replication mechanism um and you know because i've been crawling through the internals of it um you know it's very closely uh bound with the implementations on some things like views and queries that um uh yeah it would be really hard to to disentangle it and i don't think it would make any sense either so like for instance um the way mbcc works for uh 
version control is it needs to store um, all of the revisions that have happened, uh, which is you know exactly how you know Git works, uh, for instance, and and uh, and Mercurial for that matter is you know they store all of the revisions so then they can look at the tree and see you know when splits happen and what common ancestors they have and and what was the last common ancestor and and break it all down. So uh, that happens as well in the implementation in Couchbase Lite, but those are stored as every time you make a change to a document, the revision. Uh, information is 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 still retained, so that way the MVCC algorithm can use that for conflict resolution. Um, so I, you would have to completely disentangle it from the concept of a document uh, and versioning of a document, which it currently does. And so at that point, you might just be better off starting with file new new library project and um, and, and starting off that way. But you know, I mean, CouchDB replication protocol is out there you can go grab it and um mvcc is also very well known so you could grab that too yeah and start from start from scratch so then if uh if if couchbase is kind of storing you know all the different revisions of a document over the the course of its lifetime um is that is that also happening on the on the client as well so the device also has the entire kind of revision history of a, a single document yeah, it does. Yeah. There is compaction you can do, etc. If you want to, um, if you want to clean that up. Yeah, you. Uh, the the key thing too is like it, you don't. You can opt into storing the actual data that was there, but by default, it's not storing the actual like user key payloads. Uh, um, by default, it's 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 retaining a, a very stripped down version of the document. Uh, it's literally just enough to be able to, uh, to, re- to figure out, um, like what that, that parent, what that revision tree looks like. Um, it doesn't need to worry too much about the exact ones, but if you wanted to do merges or something like that, then you'd want to keep some, at least the previous history. And that might get a little bit complex talking about conflict resolution, but the idea is that, a conflict can happen at any point in the tree, so it doesn't have to just be on the on the edge. So you just need to keep as much history as you need to pull off your mer- your merge um, process. Yeah, because you might be in a scenario where you've had a bunch of revisions locally, and then um, then you then you're back in Wi-Fi range or cellular data range, and uh, and then all of a sudden the replication, uh, the puller fires off and it's like, oh, hey, there's an entire, you know, set of changes that were made while we were partitioned. And now it's got to merge them back in again. And that could that doesn't necessarily mean it's just the leaf nodes in that in those graphs. It could actually be substantial uh, portions of the graph that have to be uh, merged back again. But and generally what that gives you is most people, they don't even deal with these things they just take our auto um resolution resolution yeah, yeah i was going to say merge but that's not right um but anyway auto resolution and they don't care um but for those that do care and they want to get involved they can become very highly involved if they like so that's back to the you can take it it's really simple you just turn it on or here do whatever you want Right. So I imagine that this kind of thing ha- probably happens most often when there's, uh, you know, long periods of disconnected, um, you know, device being disconnected from the network or the, the network is slow. Um, what kind of handling is there in Couchbase Lite for those s- 
like scenarios. Let's say that the device technically has a connection, but it it's pretty slow and it's having a hard time updating. Um, like how how would Couchbase Lite react to that? It throttles back, um, detects whether or not there is a connection, and will throttle. Um, is there anything else I'm missing? Yeah. So I like uh, Jay Chris's kind of worldview gestalt on this thing and um you know the you know his kind of i wish i could uh, you know do his little uh, phrase justice he's got like a, a a more clever phrase to describe it but basically what you're doing is you're taking couch base light lets you take um uh, the network out of your critical path for your application. So, like, if you if you you pull out dust off your copy of the eight myths of distributed computing, um, there are all of the things that make network connected applications hard, despite all of the things that developers do to try to make it not hard. You, like, latency is not zero. That's one of the myths. Um, you know, bandwidth is you know free, which is another myth. Um, you know, there's uh, a whole bunch more, um, but especially latency is the the most grievous one. And so the the built-in model for handling replication um, makes no assumption about latency. Right? You can configure it to uh, for uh, replication to like not fire for you know a month or a year or something like that. Um, so it makes no assumptions about how quickly replication gets done um, or how often it gets done. And by assuming nothing, then you know by you letting it run you know sort of at the default you know go nuts mode. Um, if there is a transient spike in latency, it's it's no big deal. It just just you won't get your change notification as quickly, you know, like at the end of the day, there's a, in the .NET version, there's an, an event for, you know, the, a changed event on, uh, you know, on the query or, uh, uh, for instance, if you're doing a, like a live query. So you just, it'll be a while before that event fires. But, uh, you know, the main thing is, is you're not there having to write a bunch of logic about, you know, retry back offs and, uh, all that kind of stuff that's that's done inside the library and because of the abstraction of of having a live query um and uh and then having like the event driven model on top of that um it's a really powerful abstraction around the variability in network programming so so you talked about live query but you didn't say what it was yeah so the idea of what we also have our queries that um they're called live queries and you can register them. And then whenever data comes in that meets the criteria of that query, we'll just tell you. So there's no need to continually pull the database for new data. So if you're looking for, like in your chat program that you talked about, new um, messages, then you just have a live query that tells you when new messages get um, that come in, and we just notify you when the message comes in. So you don't have to continually pull the database or anything like that. That's really interesting. Um, so that actually leads kind of perfectly into the, the next thing I was going to bring up, which is what kind of options are there in Couchbase for querying data out of it? So the main way you get it out right now, or the only way, is through MapReduce. So MapReduce produces an index, and then you can grab a range of that index, and you can sort it or page it or things like that. Now, in the future, we have a new language called Nickel. So that's being developed for our server um, 
database and eventually it will make it on mobile. We're intentionally staggering it behind the server so that we can get that right and then bring it over to mobile when it's appropriate. So Nickel is actually a superset of SQL. It's out there. You can go look at it if you like, but um, just go to our site and check out. It's in one QL, and or maybe they NIQL, but anyway, yeah. it's first normal form is what it stands for. Um, so that nickel language will actually come over to mobile at some point in the future. And then uh, specifically for Couchbase Lite, one of the things that um, I'm working on is uh, uh, link support. Um, so there's because of the nature of the way. Uh, the internals work uh, we should uh, it looks like there should be a, a path to fairly reasonably be able to implement um, not only of course uh, deferred execution but also late materialization um, and that's kind of one of the lesser understood bits of link is uh, not all link providers are the same so some are early materialized and some are late materialized even though they're both deferred so to speak uh, and so what that means is uh, for some things the cost of getting the record the first record um, is uh, is such a high cost that that's the, the cost for the n plus one-th record is is a small additional overhead. It's it's very trivial. The vast majority of the the work is being done just to get that very first record. Um, whereas late materialization means that um, if if I'm doing the if I need the nth record or I need to iterate through to the nth uh, record of a result, then I'm only doing you know n over the total amount of records uh, worth of work. So it's fairly linear in, in scaling out the work, which is great. So if I have a like a bazillion rows that I need to iterate through and I find the thing I'm looking for at record 25, then I'm only doing 25 over a bazillionth amount of work, more or less. Um, and so I think we'll there's a good chance we'll be able to get uh, a late materialized um, uh, uh, support uh, out of it right now so that's one thing I'm kind of particularly uh, excited about but even as things are currently um, the query enumerator object that that you would get back from the um, uh, object or the the query uh, you know if you like you just ask it for the rows directly um, you'll get back the, an object which is an I enumerable of, of uh, query row and uh, it's already uh, you know uh, pretty incremental in, in how it approaches um, retrieving the results. So I think by putting that inside of a generator function uh, so we can use it, take advantage of the C-sharp yield keyword, um, uh, we can improve that uh, even a little bit more. And that's something we actually talked about early on and made a conscious decision to allow when we were defining, we, we mentioned earlier this native API, this, this you know 100% parity across all our platforms. This all started, what, August of like, last year. Yeah, it was like a late July, August, something yeah, like Zach, that. Yeah, and Zach's been in the conversation since then. And so we made these very conscious decisions to allow these idiomatic extensions to be added to a platform, if appropriate. So that's what's allowing, uh, and we even talked about Link. That was one of the early ones we yeah. talked about. Um, that's what's allowing this Link to just kind of be placed on top of Couchbase Lite. So then and you, you touched on it a little bit there as far as, you know, like how much work is required to define the data you want and querying and things like that. So 
I, can you speak a little bit about you know what kind of performance you're seeing on? I mean, we're talking about mobile devices here, so these are pretty underpowered compared to what you'd be running on a couch-based server or something. Um, what kind of performance are you, are you seeing out of these queries? Um, we're actually running tests now. We're doing all of our performance um, tests now and doing the optimizations. But what you should expect when you release is good. Um, it already is good. We actually want it to be better, but I don't have the exact numbers. Yeah, no, I'm not uh, on the .NET version. Uh, I'm not at the uh, the performance uh, optimization phase just yet. But um, but yeah, I mean, anecdotally, um, it's really impressive. I mean, it's hard to say because a lot of it depends on uh, your map and reduce function and whether you're using them or not, and uh, uh, the size of your data. Um, so we're using the data contract serializer ultimately this get the stuff get the documents get stored as json blobs inside uh, sqlite um, you know and then there's some metadata columns around it but um, they're pretty 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 simple schema all in, all things considered um, so the the more work the serializer has to do uh, you know is you know going to also affect both um, you know, serialization and deserialization times. So inserting or reading records out, um, you know, which, and then to even which serialization library we end up using. Cause that, that's an area that has nothing to do with, you know, the underlying, you know, storage engine, but, you know, can add a lot of overhead if you don't make that decision. Right. Yeah. And there's things that you can do also for, um, if you're having like high, you know, high writes and you can't, so these mobile devices actually have pretty low um, I.O. speeds. So if you're having um, a problem keeping up with I.O., you can batch your, your writes also, and we allow for that. So the raw sensor data example, if you're just reading data so fast that you, the device can't keep up, you can batch those writes. Right. So I know just from using Couchbase on the the server side that you know you know it's all JSON stored in the back, and then you're using JavaScript to actually write your your map and reduce functions. So when you're doing this on a on a device from say a Xamarin iOS app, are you writing those map reduce functions from JavaScript, or are you are you actually writing them in C sharp? Oh, that's right. We're not recording. Yeah. So uh, those are straight up C sharp. So it's lambdas everywhere. Lambdas, lambdas, lambdas. Actually, uh, or lambda expressions, uh, if, if you prefer. Again, a very conscious decision for idiomatic reasons that every platform can do it as appropriate for the platform. So if you actually run over to our PhoneGap plugin, you actually do use um, JavaScript. Uh, yeah. We should make those guys use C-sharp, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no argument here. Yeah, the, that's one interesting thing. Like, uh, you, know, uh, a, a, you know, it's interesting... Um, if you're if you really get into like language design, there's there's actually quite a few places where Objective C and C Sharp uh, uh, reveal their common lineage. Uh, you know, both uh, even Anders uh, has stated in the past that uh, you know he was influenced by Smalltalk, which is hugely influential in in, in Objective C. Um, but you know, their recent uh, introduction of blocks. Uh, you know, has is a very nice analog to lambdas, uh, and uh, and we actually get the extra benefit of lambda expressions. Um, so it's interesting because the uh, Android version, the Java version rather, uh, abstracts away uh, the blocks. Uh, you know, and you use the uh, inline uh, methods that Java has for implementing interfaces like anonymously. Um, 
but then in the C sharp version, we introduced back in the lambda expressions that had been extracted out uh, from the conversion from uh, Objective C to Java. Um, so in that regard, the C sharp and Objective C ones uh, are uh, look like they're more like siblings uh, in that regard. So what about the the um, we talked about like the CPU performance, I guess, but what about the overhead as far as like your app size and, and memory usage is concerned in the mobile space? Yeah, I mean, one of the main concerns was actual size, so how much do we bloat the application? And that was one of the motivating factors be behind the um, using existing storage engine that all of these devices have on them. And so use have proper use of resources on the device. So the file system is one of those. Um, deployment is another one. Um, app size has actually gone, uh, become quite a bit larger than they used to be two years ago when we first started this. Um, but, you know, we add in iOS, it's like 500K. So it's a little bit less maybe. But anyway, 500K is a good guess. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting is like uh, I think one area where the C sharp version benefits from uh, you know being derived uh, or being ported from the Java version is uh, the Java version has few, if any, generics. So if you're on like Xamarin iOS, where gen you know like heavy heavy use of generics can increase the uh, application size, um, we actually benefit from in that regard because there's just very, there's not a ton of generic usage, uh, and in the few places internal to the library where it is being used, um, they're uh, they're very constrained. Uh, they're they're pretty much all closed generics uh, uh, that are that are closed with the same class so that that code gets reused um, and doesn't have to get, uh, doesn't lead to a lot of uh, bloat or anything like that. So, um, so that's kind of one nice handy side benefit. Have you done any sizing on yours? Not yet, no, I'm not, not really. So yeah, on the, the .NET side of things, um, it's, you know, it's more anecdotal at this point. But, you know, just looking at the, the binding version, I mean, there's not, you know, but uh, there's not any real immediate concern as far as that goes. I mean, if you look at the internals of, of what is being done inside the .NET version of the library, um, most things are using like a, a stream of some kind or another. So you're never just, you know, reading in a giant file all at one you know, fell swoop. So like my default buffer size is an 8K buffer, uh, you know, which will be extensible. So I, I try to, you know, being somebody who is a, a, a an embedded electronics hobbyist, you know, on the side, like I, I love doing, you know, like .NET micro framework embedded stuff on like the, the tiny little ARM cores that only have 192K of RAM. Um, like I'm, I guess I'm very sensitive to memory pressure in embedded environments. Uh, so for me, it's everything is automatically, you know, going to be a, a stream, uh, stream-based processing for like, you know, a lot of just the big binary blobs. So. Right. And what about, uh, say application startup time? Is there a lot of work that has to happen right up front before the, the app is able to kind of start up or is the engine pretty quick since you're reusing the SQLite database underneath? Yeah, it's super yeah. quick. Yeah, There's it's... no, no noticeable delay. Yeah. And then, in, in, uh, you know, for the, uh, 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 currently, it's using uh, mono.data.sqlite, 
for which there's uh, already a, an existing GitHub project that already ported uh, uh, or re-implemented it for like WP8 and uh, the Windows Store uh, APIs. And I think that um, uh, there may be some additional uh, help coming down the road that will uh, make that even more portable. So um, interestingly enough, you could re-implement you know, if you, it's open source, so you could, uh, with some work and some care, you could actually replace it with a different ADO provider if you wanted to in the future. Now, what about the story around security? Um, is there any support for encrypting the data on the device? Like, I mean, apps are sandboxed, but, you know, there's always a, a bit of a concern there. Yeah, so for V1, we're doing, we're just taking advantage of file system encryption, so we just mark the files appropriately so that they will actually get encrypted. In the future, you will see the option to encrypt data. You know, the encryption is a, it's also a hard problem, and it's actually about key handling, and that's the problem. Yeah, and it's very easy for, you know, an encryption layer to be rendered null and void if the keys aren't properly managed. So we'll get that right, and you'll see it in the future. Yeah, but presumably, even still, with the the way the abstraction works in the uh, the, the 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 .NET version, you could potentially uh, you know use something like SQL Cipher uh, uh, internal to the. There's a, a database class that really what it is is uh, I I wrote a, an implementation of the Android database class. Uh, that's backed by ADO and the SQLite uh, provider in particular. Um, there are a couple of uh, uh, specific flavor issues with the the SQL that's used in there that uh, wouldn't necessarily rule it out to, to use something else, but you just have to make sure that the that the logical functionality was being preserved. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, inside that that implementation, that default implementation, you could do a different implementation and then have the factory class, the factory method that that creates it that you call uh, just return back your your wrapped SQL cipher uh, version instead. But that's you know a lot of people ask for that, and we're not going to make everybody go you know roll their own. So. At some point in the future, you'll see that most likely pretty soon. So, what's the the timeline looking like for for Couchbase Lite? Then, I mean, I, I think a couple times you mentioned, you know, like when when we ship, or you know, what what's the current state of it? Is it is it considered 1.0 or beta, or like where is it at? Yeah, we're in beta two right now. Um, we've said that we're going to ship in the beginning of 2014. So, you should see something soon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and the goal on the .NET side is to uh, be ready uh, f- uh, for GA the same day that iOS, the, the other uh, uh, iOS and Android uh, SDKs uh, go GA. So um, uh, Wayne's uh, taking a, a very in, like a unique approach to uh, handling. Uh, and, and like synchronizing multiple platform uh, targets of the same library, uh, which is really amazing. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's been very uh, clever, and I've, I've taken a lot of notes and uh, watching how he's done it because uh, I think he's done a fantastic job with it. So, like, he's defined a set of the API that's kind of the 1.0 target, and uh, you know, I know a big thing for him uh, not to put 
words in his mouth um, when he's sitting next to me, but you know, like his big thing has been making sure that there's parity across those three. So there's sort of like a, a standard cross-platform contract. Um, and then, you know, if, if there's more or less in a particular one, you know, it is what it is, but w- what he's really focused on is the, the ma- like the, the part of the API that, that he's been managing closely across platforms. And that's that 100% parity thing that I've referenced a couple of times um, and allows for a lot of the things that we're doing. Even the bindings that we do, it allows mm-hmm. for that. Without that parity, you actually uh, can't accomplish bindings very well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Like He's actually built, uh, came up with this uh, XML-based system uh, for uh, documenting it. Uh, and I was actually able to use as part of the porting process, uh, I wrote a, a little uh, XSLT style sheet that actually just generated the stubbed out C-sharp code based off of his XML specs that he wrote, uh, which is a horrible thing to do, by the way. Don't ever <laughs> generate C-sharp code from XML. Uh, it's, it's horrible, horrible using XSLT. But, um, but I did it because um, uh, this was like a particular case where it worked out well. But um, that just ended up being sort of a side benefit like because of the way he approached it i could start off knowing that you know that was the public api and everything else was going to be marked as internal or private or you know protected from there so uh, but i knew like right off the bat all of those stubs uh, you know represented the api so i could actually compile it and make sure that it all built uh and resolve any uh issues that came up in the the actual spec design and make sure that the spec was updated accordingly and then you know then i knew that it was a consistent valid uh, API design um, and so then the rest was just you know fitting the ported code uh, into that public API and making sure that that it all made sense and passed the unit tests and stuff like that so every time we have people on to talk about a library uh, we like to talk about what the file new project story is and this is a little bit more interesting you know because there's a server-side component to to it as well so can you walk us through what you know if i want to go start using couchbase uh, server and couchbase Lite today what do i need to do so you actually don't need a server you can use yeah. Couchbase Lite without it so if you want to just um that's actually our getting started guides you usually start with build an app now, now the second step in getting started would be ad synchronization. Yeah. Um, so it's consumable in both parts. Now, we have a guide for this. You just go to our site, mobile.couchbase.com. Um, there's a getting started guide there that has this all outlined. And we call it either five minutes to awesome or something similar to that, where you can be up and running very quickly. Yeah. And we have also Hello World examples for each platform. So really, you just download the Couchbase Lite library, you include it in your project, and then you just start writing code. Yeah. Or, or in this case, you know, you can just go to the Xamarin Component Store if you're, you know, doing a Xamarin-based project, and then you can just add the Couchbase Lite iOS one for the Xamarin iOS project to get a sense of it right now uh, for what that looks like. And um, I ported their Grocery Sync app uh, as the sample app for that, which is really robust. And I've actually thrown in some stuff that's not in your guys's uh, official. Um, uh, grocery sync stuff uh, that demonstrates uh, some cool ways to flex the MapReduce layer. I think, especially in the .NET world, uh, you know, for whatever reasons, um, people I think are a little either intimidated or have preconceived notions about what MapReduce is. But the reality of it is, is Map working with MapReduce is much closer to 
programming than SQL is. I mean, SQL is all set theoretic based, which is not how we program. Um, but because uh, MapReduce is functional and that is how we program, it feels way more natural. Um, and in fact, you've probably already been doing MapReduce with, uh, with uh, link, especially with the link expressions. Like if you use the um, things like uh, select, uh, which is basically map, and um, if you use aggregate, which is pretty much reduce, um, uh, you already know how to do it. And uh, once you uh, once you actually just go through it and see that you can provide uh, multiple views using MapReduce of the same data set to do some stuff like so. As an example. Um, uh, the grocery sink will list all of the uh, grocery documents and, and display them, you know, so you can check off what's been purchased and what hasn't. But at the top, uh, I've added in a second live view that, there was, that does both a map and a reduce that computes the total number of unpurchased items. And, and all you have to do is update one document one time, and both of those views update. You'll see a new item in the list or a change of state in the item in the list. And then you'll also see that uh, that single computed value update, um, and they're all based on the same underlying document. So MapReduce has has you know it, it's kind of like the same rush as the first time you use data like two way data binding, where you're like, oh my god, this changes everything. This is so amazing. I can just change it once over here, and all this stuff just updates. Oh my god, oh my god. Uh, it was it's that kind of an experience. But I think for some people, just the the tag of MapReduce comes with it like oh that's hard and then it's they think like oh crazy weird Hadoop clusters and junk like that but at the end of the day it's just two simple functions um, and um, you know if you want to if you want to do that you can just jump in with the uh, component right now and you know look at the quick start at the uh, getting started guide if you want the the quick recipe to stand it up and see what kind of like the minimal amount of code is you need to, to do something useful. And, uh, and then if you want to start getting into some of the cooler, fancier stuff, you can dig through and rummage through the, uh, uh, the, um, grocery sink or the grocery list. Uh, and um, simple map reduce is four lines of code, five lines of code. Yeah. Three lines of code. And you don't even actually have to use the map and reduce functions. You can pass null in if you want to just get the raw list of data, you know, the raw document list. But um, but that wouldn't be fun. So. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, for me, the, the syncing would almost be just a bonus. I know in most of the apps that I end up building, like, I, I have, like, a utility class that I end up passing around that I, you know, I kind of jokingly call it, like, my faux SQL database because I really just end up with... Uh, I end up with a, a key value table in my, my SQLite database where I'm just, you know, storing JSON because all I want is a simple flat object that are, or like an integer or something like that. But I need like a cross-platform key value store. So I have this, you know, super hacky JSON converted key value store. Um, so it's pretty easy to imagine just replacing that with Couchbase where you you guys are almost certainly doing it in a much better fashion than my my faux SQL yeah, database. <laughs> yeah, so we're wrapping you know transaction support around that and yada yada. And once you actually do this, I mean, adding sync is very significant. If you need sync, I don't. Most people can't even get it. It's just too expensive. Yeah. Um, so if you need it, it's a no brainer. Um, once you use Couchbase Lite. Uh, you may be looking. You might have to have justification for not using. It. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, it's it really is like that. I mean, the the other nice thing too is if you go look at the Couchbase Light uh, um, 
a component like there's a convenience class in there that gives you a uh, a ready to roll um, like UI table uh, view data source um, that's already backed by a live query and you just tell it which you know you give it the key uh, that that it will use uh, to uh, get values for the the cells uh, when they get displayed it's what the grocery sink thing uses and I mean it's it's like super brain dead simple to get um, uh, like like your a table wired up against your key value store that automatically updates itself. You just don't even have to think about it. You just set it and whenever the, the, a new document gets inserted uh, into the database or updated or deleted, everything just updates and you don't, it just works like magic. It's amazing. Um, so it would be nice to, uh, like we'll shoot for the, the PCL uh, core but uh, I think, you know, probably, uh, you know, th there'll be a lot of interest in having like a, a, a platform specific uh, library that, that ships with each uh, supported platform that has some of those uh, uh, little bits of sugar in there that that just make it so easy to, to deal with sync in in whatever idiom you're dealing with so you don't have to deal with it'd be nice to have table adapters you know for Android and yada yada and you know that stuff is just it just it's mind-blowingly easy for stuff that's normally mind-blowingly hard right. So at this point, I mean, we've covered a pretty wide range of things, I think. Um, is there anything that you could think of that, that you'd want to call out that we haven't touched on yet? Um, not that I can think of. I'm running through the API to think of the functionality we <laughs> yeah. have. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered the most of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, it, it's, been, it's really been an amazing experience working on the port. Um, there's so much clever programming foo that's in there uh it's i have tremendous respect respect for uh jens and uh, and also for uh, tron uh the two guys who are responsible for the ios and the original implementation and and the uh, android version respectively um there's just so much really good software engineering in there that i mean it's just worth it even if you never intend to use it or even if you're like a rabid mongo fan or something like that and you would never you would never cross the line uh uh, it's still worth going and reading through the 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 dot net um, the source for it because there's just a lot of really clever stuff in there. Uh, it's really impressive. Yeah, so Yens and Tron are the guys that are actually doing the work. So yeah, Yens is our <laughs> iOS ninja, and Tron is the Android. And um, we did miss one thing though. We didn't talk about attachments. Oh, you're right. We didn't talk about attachments. Yeah. But anyway, you can have attachments also. So you can add arbitrary arbitrary blocks documents. documents. So you just throw in a bunch of PDFs or what have you. And so you can attach blobs, named blobs to documents, and then you get the same sync capabilities, etc. And how are those stored then? Are they? I assume those are stored kind of outside of the, the SQLite database then. Yes. Yeah, as you would imagine, there's there's the metadata is inside the SQLite database, but then there's the the actual objects on disk are in a folder uh, within the the folder that stores the Couchbase Lite or the uh, SQLite database and and stuff like that. So. Right. Well, I think that that just about makes a show then. So uh, thanks, guys, for for joining us and talking Couchbase. This is awesome. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's been a pleasure to be on the show, and uh, it's it's exciting, uh, you know, to be able to uh, add uh, Couchbase Lite to the uh, .NET developer toolset. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was great to meet you guys, and uh, uh, stay tuned for very exciting things. 
Will do, and thanks to everyone for tuning in again, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile.